Tonight, I want to speak practically how we make a difference with the gospel. How we make a difference with the gospel. You're going into a new season of life. We're going uh, to a new school year. We're going into a new way of school altogether, right? This 2020 is reshaping everything that we thought we knew. School is completely different as you guys go into the next semester. Um, and with that, there's going to be new friends. There's going to be new opportunities. And so how do we bring the gospel with us and allow people to experience what we have? Because that's the, the calling for the follower of Jesus. Jesus gave a commission before he ascended into heaven. He died, he rose again, then he ascended. But before he did, he gave a commission or basically a, a command, something, that, sort of our marching orders as followers of Jesus. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single person you come encounter with. Tell them, we've talked about the gospel already. We've been talking about that in our series, Off the Leash. But the gospel is the free gift of salvation through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Free gift of salvation. that We can have sins forgiven and we can enter into right standing with God. Are you guys with me? That that is the message of Jesus. And now we have been sent out into the world with that message, with that hope. And so how do we bring the gospel with us and allow people to experience what we have? I've titled this message, if you want to write this down, what are you known for? What are you known for? Acts chapter 17 is where we're going to be. This is one of my favorite uh, passages of scripture, um, really for one primary reason. We'll see why. It says this, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now this they that they're speaking of is a guy named Paul, who is responsible for writing the majority of the New Testament. He was responsible for writing the book of Galatians, what we've been studying, and his crew. Like he had a squad that they would go from town to town, place to place, and they would tell people about the love of Jesus. So they rolled into this new town called Thessalonica, and it says, verse 2, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures. This is explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. Christ is the idea of Savior or Messiah. Christ is not his last name. Okay? It's not like first name Jesus, last name Christ. Jesus is a, or Christ is a description. He was the Savior. He was Messiah. Jesus, he is the Christ. And some of them, verse 4, were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But, everyone say but. The Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace. I wonder what that looked like. Like they were like just hanging out like, oh, that's the group of evil men from the marketplace. Like they had like a sign, like they probably had like a necklace or something. So like evil, I don't know. Anyways, um, but the Jews uh, found this evil group of people from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason where they were staying and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. 
Basically, what's happened is Paul and his crew shows up to the city of Thessalonica for three weeks. They go to the synagogue, which was basically the Jewish meeting place to talk about the Old Testament. And Paul would explain to them from the Old Testament for three weeks, he would show up there and he would explain that, hey, what you've been looking for, the the purpose of your life, the message, the theme of your life is a guy named Jesus who died, but he rose again. He is the son of God. He's the Christ. We're told that some people believe. They're like, yeah, that's the guy. We've been looking for him, praying for him, hoping for him. He is the guy. They realize nothing is better than him. But then another group of people, they're like, not about it. They're like, these people coming here with their Jesus stuff, preaching to me their Jesus, talking about this, explaining to me this. And so they were like, we cannot have it. We cannot allow it. And so they got a group of evil people together, formed a mob, showed up to Jason's house because uh, uh, Jason is where Paul and Silas had been staying. They're like, where are these guys? They're like, he's not here. So they grabbed Jason. They brought him into the street, and they make this declaration. They say, these guys, Paul and Silas, those that have turned the world upside down have come here too. Basically, what they're saying is that these guys have such power in their words, such power in their life, that in just such a short period of time, from the time that Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, they have flipped the world as they knew it upside down. And they were afraid that they were going to do the same thing to their town. That their life, their lifestyle, their thoughts, their activities, their mindset, their way of living was going to be flipped because of these two guys showing up to their city. These two guys have shown up and you can sense the fear in their voice. They're like, these guys that have turned the world upside down, they've come here too. Paul and Silas, they were known for flipping the world upside down. What are you known for? What are you known for? I had three nicknames growing up, three nicknames that I can, can remember. In fourth and fifth grade, my nickname was Smiley. Yeah, imagine me like fourth grade, kind of awkward, really short, showing up to school, and I was just one of those like nervous kids that smiled all the time. It's not odd, it's kind of sad. Anyway, so, so I remember like, I played basketball when I was in elementary and middle school, and on the, on the team, I was smiley. Then middle school happened. Everything changed, right? Middle school happened, and my nickname was no longer smiley. My nickname, well, for my parents, my parents kind of bullied me. I was like, had this moment that I realized the other day, and I'm like, you guys bullied me. Do you know that? Like, you guys fully made fun of me and bullied me. Anyways, they called me Botox Boy. And the reason for that, the reason they called me Botox Boy was because of the exact opposite reason of Smiley. When I hit middle school, I stopped smiling altogether. I was just like, I was kind of like sad, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what is happening? Like, I, I was like just a normal kid going through life. I liked like cartoons and everything was normal. And then everything got so weird in middle school. I'm so sorry, middle schoolers. It gets better, I promise. But, like, things get so weird in middle school. And I was just, like, just, like, and they would, like, do anything to try to get me to smile. So they called me Botox Boy. And then my last nickname, and this nickname, my parents still call me this. The, the nickname I got after that was Rolly. Rolly. And the reason for that was because I like to eat. I'm telling you, my parents bullied me. 
Like they called me Botox boy because I never smiled. And they called me Rolly because I like to eat. I'm like, just let the man eat. Let me be grumpy in middle school and let me eat. And pretty much you fast forward today, that's kind of my life. Like let me be grumpy and let me eat food. Please. But what do people think of you when they see you? Right? I was smiley. I was Botox boy. I was roly. Still am roly. What do people, maybe you have a nickname, but, but deeper than that. Not just like nickname because of like one awkward thing that you did that one time and now forever you have that nickname. Like my brothers had a friend in high school that they called him the nugget guy. Like that was his nickname because he ordered chicken nuggets somewhere. Like, you're like, that seems like a normal thing to do. Just out with my friends. I ordered some chicken nuggets, and now forever my name's the nugget guy. Like, what? Another guy was, was Big Chili because he ordered chili somewhere. Like, what? So your nickname, right, is something that you, but deeper than that, what defines you? What makes you you? When, when people see you, when, when you show up to a room or you show up to the classroom or you show up to the soccer field or you show up to your work or you come home from to, back to your house, what is it that people know about you? And for these followers of Jesus, they were known for turning the world upside down. Their life and their message was making such a difference. People knew what was going to happen when they showed up. They saw when Paul and Silas rolled into town, they said the world as we know it is about to change. Because these guys are going to make such an impact on our community. And they're going to make such an impact on, on our way of living that the way and the thing we've done for so long is about to flip over onto its head. So how? Right? This is like powerful stuff. That like in just a few short years from the time of Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, they have completely transformed the world. In just a few years after this, the, the, the church is going to begin to get persecuted by the government because it's making such an impact on the world around them. And then a few short years after that, most people think as a political stunt, the, the emperor in the area uh, changed the, the main religion from Polygamy, which was worshiping, uh, is that the right word? That's the wrong word. That's like when you have multiple wives. <laughs> wrong word. Polytheistic. Thank you. I knew the poly was right. <laughs> polytheistic. Not polygamy. That's super weird and gross. Anyways. Um, polytheistic, where they worship multiple gods. They changed as a political stunt from that to Christianity because they knew the majority of the people were Christian. So in order to please the people, we need to be a Christian society and government so that people don't overthrow us. So in just a few short years, it goes from being an underground movement to being persecuted by the government to the government changing and saying, do you know what, actually we're Christian now because we want to please the people. The, the people that have turned the world upside down have come here too. How do they make such an impact on such a short period of time? I want to show you two things real quick and we'll be done. Number one is their commission became a custom. Their commission became a custom. I talked to you about how Jesus sent us out into the world. This was the great commission that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But did you notice that the apostle Paul went into the synagogue and began to explain the teaching and the life of Jesus? And it said this, it says, as his custom was. 
that Paul, when he showed up into a new town, what his custom was, was to meet new people and to tell them about Jesus. That was his routine. Like, my routine is I wake up in the morning, right, I, I brush my teeth, I, like, walk out into the kitchen, I turn on the Bible app, and I make my coffee. Like, that's my routine. And then I sit down, and I drink my coffee, and I've been reading this little devotional on leadership and stuff. It's been really cool. And, and then I put that away, and then I, like, say bye to Hannah, and I drive to work. Like, that's my custom. That's my routine. We all have our, Paul's routine. He showed up to a new town. He met new people, and he's like, I need to tell them about Jesus. That was his custom. And because his, the commission, the message of Jesus, became a part of his life, he began to transform the world. And for many of us, the, the message of Jesus is, is not a practice in our lives. For many of us, it's, it's just not even there. We don't even think about how do we tell somebody about Jesus or should I tell somebody about Jesus? Maybe you've never thought I'm supposed to tell somebody about Jesus. I had no idea. So how do we make that a part of our life, a part of our custom? Maybe it's simple things. Maybe it's, maybe it's you launch into the new school year. Maybe it's sending a group text out to the believers that you know and you're saying, hey, let's meet on Mondays before school and let's pray for our school week. Or, 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 or maybe, it's, maybe it's posting on your Instagram every once in a while a Bible verse or an encouraging word to let people know, like, hey, this is where I'm at and this is something that could encourage you. And maybe it's looking to invite one person every week to youth. Could you imagine if you're like, every week I'm going to look for one new person that I can invite to youth. Imagine the impact you could have on your school and in your classroom. Just start with one classroom. I'm going to meet every single person in my class, and I'm going to invite them to church. And if they don't come, whatever, I'll pester them next week too. <laughs> what if we made this a custom, a practice in our life, just like brushing our teeth and making our coffee or whatever your routine is, that was just a part of your life? What would happen to your classroom? What would happen to our community? What would happen to our world if we took the commission and we made it a custom? They weren't known for turning the world upside down by sitting around. They had a calling, and they made it a part of their life. The second thing is, is this, that they described and they demonstrated. We're told that Paul did two major things when he went into a city with the gospel. We're told that he, number one, reasoned or explained the scriptures to them. Reasoned or explained. This is the, the, the idea here is to have dialogue or conversation. That when he would show up to a city, he would explain, he would have conversation with people about the gospel. We live in a world where dialogue is nothing. It's all about posting opinions. Right? Like conversation, what even is that? It's not about conversation. It's about me cramming down your throat my thought, my opinion. So we have what I call the one article expert. Right? We live in a world of the one article expert. You read one thing like on some obscure website, and then that becomes like your thing. Like you are now an expert on whatever it is. And now we're living in a world that it, this year has been so crazy with that kind of stuff. Like I, I'm literally, I re-downloaded Snapchat recently because I couldn't deal with all of the drama on every other social media site. I'm like, Snapchat's pretty chill. <laughs> like we like do the streaks and we kind of move on. <laughs> like that's it. But, but everybody, it's, it's like, it's not about conversation. 
It's not about, here, let me tell you what I'm thinking and you can respond with what you're thinking and we can come to an agreement and we can work these things out. We have this thing where, where we post our opinions and if you disagree with my opinion, you get canceled. And I think, honestly, if I can for a minute, cancel culture is one of the most harmful things in our culture right now. This thing where, where you, you're not allowed to figure stuff out you're not allowed to grow. You're not allowed to have conversation. It's if you disagree with me, I'm done with you. And what happens is, is all that, one, people are gonna find themselves alone really quick. If you cancel everybody that disagrees with you, you're going to be alone. But also it allows for no room for growth or improvement. And what the apostle Paul is doing is he shows up and he sits down with people that have completely different worldview than him. He sits down and he has a conversation. He sits down and he, he asks them about their life. He asks them, what are you thinking? Where are you going? And then he opens up to them the scriptures and the idea of, of reason and explained as he began to prove to them the reality of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, and the hope that's in Jesus. But he, he had conversation. It wasn't like if you canceled, I'm done with you, it's over, I'll never talk to you again. It, it's allowing for growth and for change. And so Paul, he was willing to have conversations with people. Are you having those types of conversations with people? Conversations not where you just blast your opinion and then you block your ears when they try to respond, but we're like, hey, let's talk through these things. Because can I tell you that in, in Christianity and in faith, there are very real answers. We don't have like a blind faith or like a faith that's just like we wish upon a star and we hope it all works out. There's answers. I'm telling you right now, there are answers, that there's truth. There, there is a reality of faith that it's not just some far off idea, but there is substance to what we believe. And there's answers. But then the second thing he said, not only did he reason with them, he also demonstrated. I like that word demonstrated. To demonstrate is to show it is to put into practice in your life. You, to demonstrate something, it's not just to, to say something, it's actually to do something, right? It's not just listen to me, it's watch me. To demonstrate something, it's like, it's like uh, uh, I grew up skateboarding, and so like to, to, to try to say, hey, this is how you do an ollie. Do it like this. To demonstrate is like, here, let me show you, right? And then you, to demonstrate is like, this is how you do it. It's one thing to watch, it's another thing to show. And if people watched your life, would you be demonstrating a life of a Jesus follower? Listen to this verse. We actually broke it down last week with Shane in Galatians 3. He says this, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. So in other words, if you've placed faith in Jesus Christ, you have put on Christ. It's like going to the store, and you know how sometimes you'll go to the store and you'll try something on and you're like, I like that. And you take it off and you walk it up to the counter and then you put it in your bag and you go home. And then there's other things that you, you put on and you're like, I really like this. And you put it on and you buy it, you, you pay for it and then you leave the place and you put it on like immediately. Like you literally like wear it out of the store. You're like, because I really like this. Like I don't even wanna wait till tomorrow when I have like a place to go to wear this. Like I'm at the mall now, I'm wearing it now. <laughs> and like, the, the idea is you put it on and it's now, you are now walking around, you are demonstrating that. To put on Christ means you've put it on and now that is who you are. When people look at you, they should see it. Yeah. 
You have put on Christ. There should be something different about you. There should be something when somebody looks at your life. You are wearing Christ. And so people should see that in your life. The way we flip the world upside down is by carrying the commission and living it out. Now, what exactly are we carrying? Worship team, you guys can come up here, and I'm going to close with this thought. What exactly are we carrying? I've said it's the gospel. Paul said it like this in verse 3. He says that he would explain, he would reason, he would demonstrate that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. This is the gospel. Paul says he would sit down with people and he would have conversation. Listen, the message, our message isn't good vibes. Our message isn't feel good. Our message isn't find friends. Our message isn't have a perfect life. Our message is that we were dead because of our sin, but there is a God. He is real. He loves us so much that he died on the cross for our sins, for the whole world, that if we just believed in him, we could have life. That is the message that we preach. And so every place he'd go, he says, this is what I have. This is the gospel. This is the power of God unto salvation. And we have that message. And listen, you have what it takes to make a difference. The Bible says that if you've placed faith in Jesus Christ, you've been baptized, like you said, like we said, you've put on Christ, and now you have the power of God. It says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now living inside of you. You have everything that you need to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Now it's up to you to go out and do it. It's up to you to carry that calling. It's up to you to carry that message. Last night, we were driving home from Andretti's, and um, I'm going to shout out a couple of the, the girls that were in the car with us, and we were, we were talking, and we just basically, they started sharing um, what brought them to youth. It was Noel and Jenna and Amber, I, and uh, we, we, were, we were talking, and as we were driving home, and they were just saying, like, yeah, this is what... This is what it was, and I think it was Jenna was saying that Gabby, whoever Gabby is, just, like, kept inviting her. They, like, did gymnastics together, and they just kept inviting her. And she's like, I don't know if I want to go, and kept inviting her, kept inviting her. And finally she came, and now she's been coming for a couple years now, and, like, can't even really imagine what youth would be like. She's done the student share, you know, she's bringing people to youth, and, like, it was just one person inviting. And then Amber was sharing, like, she was at such a low place in her life, and people just were inviting her. And she came, and I think it was, didn't she say Never Ending Anthem, the first song we sang? And that that song was playing, and she just, like, began to cry. And she was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is what I've been looking for. But do you know what's amazing about that? It's just one person like, hey, you should come to youth with me. Like, it's pretty cool. It's not that weird. Like, Nate talks for a while, but it's fine. (laughs) You won't fall asleep, I swear. Maybe you will. Whatever. But it's like, it's... It's, it's there. It's right there. You, you have, God has placed a calling on your life. And we say that, but we don't say it lightly. But what we mean by calling is, is God has, has created you for a purpose. You're not an accident. God made you on purpose for a purpose. There is light, a life that he has for you. And you don't have to wait for one day to walk into it. You could get it today. You could get it right now and walk out these doors and say, do you know what? I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be that type of person that when they see me coming, they're like, oh, my gosh, I saw what they did in Spanish 1. I do not want to know what they're going to do here in Algebra 2. 
Because when they show up and they, all of a sudden, the people begin to, they begin to change. What they do on Thursday night change. What they do in the morning, what they, what they think about, what they talk about, what they listen to, where they go, it's changing because they have, a, they have something inside of them. They've got a relationship with a real God that loves them, and they are on fire for him. And so they know that if I walk into a room, I'm going to change that room because I've got the power of Jesus. I've got the calling of God on my life, and it's not about me. It's about him. It's so I'm going to walk into that room, and I'm going to make a difference with what I got. I want, you, I want you guys to walk in your calling. I, want, I don't want you guys to miss out on all that he has for you. I'm going to pray, and then... Um,